Sunrises and sunsets. Some things are just beautiful no matter what. And a constant reminder that you only get so many, so you gotta fucking enjoy them. And you only get so many Lovecraft adaptations that you can fucking enjoy as well. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide to the world of cinematic Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I am Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2014's Spring, written and directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And joining us to discuss, you know her, you love her, you can't live without her. She joined us last time to talk about society. She is James's partner in crime, Corinne Corrosive. Corinne, thank What's you for up? joining us. For a third time, you're basically cast of Cthulhu royalty at this point. Pretty much. You're Pretty you're much. kind of you know, you're kind of like a shall we say an elder god maybe. Hmm? I could be. Yeah. There you go. To this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we and, and I, I also was uh, last night was realizing like after this after this conversation we'll have covered sixty percent of Benson and Moorhead's career basically. Um, yeah. Because we also did endless uh, resolution. After that, they only have synchronic and their. What's it called? Something in the dirt or whatever their their new one, which their, their COVID yeah, era one. They're, they're, yeah, that's they're, actually, I didn't I didn't realize they had stars of it too. Yeah, yeah, star, uh, starring, producing, written, and directed. Which yeah, it was their COVID movie. By all accounts, it's pretty good. Uh, I I know nothing else yeah. about it, but uh, but yeah, we we may have to rechristen this the Benson and Moorhead podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know it's spring. Um, as we record, the temperatures are are rising outside, so we figured, why not? And also, um, Corinne just really wanted to talk about spring, so um, yeah, we'll we'll get into that certainly. But uh, before we kind of get into a, a a in depth discussion, Corinne, what is it about spring that when this idea came to James and I, this was something that you really wanted to talk about? What's your relationship with this movie? So I watched Resolution. And I really, really liked it. And then I saw, I just went on Shudder and I wanted to see more of uh, Moorhead and the other guy, I already forgot his name. Um, and I'm sober, so there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I wanted to see more of their stuff and I was going to watch um, The Endless, but then I saw Spring come up and I said I was Lovecraftian. So I was like, oh, Babe, did you did you guys know this? Did you? And he was like, "Yeah, I know that. Of course, I know that." <laughs> he didn't say it like that. I didn't but, say it like that at all. Um, I should have known that he knew it. But I was like, "Oh, that'd be really cool to watch because I really liked Resolution. I really liked the way it was shot, the whole story, everything." Um, so I was like, "Oh, let me watch it." And I don't know, can I be on the podcast? Because I know you guys did the episode. I actually listened to the episode um, of resolution afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I saw you all guys also did the endless. So I still have to check that out, but, um, yeah, that was my first time seeing it. Um, this morning, as I told you, <laughs> I like 1am, we started watching it. Um, but I really, I loved it. The ending. We'll get not into that, so yeah. much. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. Uh, you know but, what? I'm with you on that one. So we'll, okay, we'll get into thank that. Thank you. Yeah. I was booing. I'm not going to lie. I was, was. <laughs> Credits yeah. came up and booing. Yeah, three in the morning. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, uh, I mean, you are certainly not alone in um, your, I'd say, overall praise for the movie. Um, it's got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes currently, 70% um, on Metacritic. Um, Joe Dickinson of Scream, the horror magazine, gave it a five-star rating, saying it transcends all genres to deliver a story that feels entirely unique, a monster you won't want to miss, and probably the most ringing endorsement. Guillermo del Toro said Spring is one of the best horror films of this decade, 
and said it's the one of the only Lovecraftian films, quote, that has blown me away. Um, certainly high praise from one of the best um, genre directors working today, arguably all time. That's for another podcast, though. Um, but yeah, I uh, this was... I know I first discovered this, and I can't even say it was discovered. Back when I did I Do Movies Badly, I had, uh, at that time, the two co-hosts of The Pod and the Pendulum uh, come on to discuss Benson Moore, and I had never heard of these guys before. And I was like, oh, so there's this, like, directing duo that's done all this genre stuff? Like, okay, I guess I'll check them out. And so it was, um, yeah, at that point, the only ones that they could show were just the three that had come out, Endless, Resolution, and Spring. And despite the fact that Spring came later, it was not their debut... That was the one they showed me first. So they're like, you watch Spring first and then watch Endless and then watch Resolution, which actually makes sense because of how those two movies are tied together. But also how Spring, at least of what they've done, is the only one that has at its heart a romantic relationship, certainly. Um, There are certainly um, relationships in those other movies, but this one revolves entirely around um, an interpersonal... Nope, can't say that a romantic interpersonal connection, sort of how, and I'd say it's their most, their most emotional film, I think, and in my mind, their best one. Um, but uh, James, what about you? How did you first discover Spring? I mean, Spring, I, I discovered it, like, after we started watching, like, when we when we did Resolution, I kind of went, okay, let me get the uh, like I always do. Let me get the Blu-rays for all these films. Mm. So and they were all cheap. So I got Spring. But the joke was, I never watched it on Blu-ray. I watched it on you know Shutter when it popped up, like one in middle of the night. It must be the perfect time to watch this movie in the middle of the night. <laughs> so watching it like you know whatever two in the morning one time when I was off from work and really digging it. Going okay, I'm like because after we did the resolution episode, I'm like wow these guys are really good. Like like I really dig what they're doing with genre and with quote-unquote Lovecraftian ideas of you know putting it in almost a normal type of like situation or like you know this you know in spring you have this guy that's just you know having shitty luck in his life and has to get away Mm -hmm. so goes away and how all these things are leading up to what we're about to like you know unfold unravel in this film and like it gets crazier and crazier but in the in the long run it's just like a guy who like really digs his girl and the girl just so happens to be an ancient you know creature of sorts that just keeps evolving and de-evolving and all this weird shit and then but they both mean well mm-hmm. and you know and, that, and 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 that's also to me like what I was talking to Corinne about the reason why I really like this film too and and, and why I've liked you know, the three I've seen of them, of, of Benson and Moorhead's films, I like the main characters. Mm-hmm. Like, you like them. you like, oh, these are likable characters. Even when, you know, in spring, you know, Louise is, like, murdering stray cats and <laughs> eating her rabbit, you know? <laughs> I mean, I didn't care when, he ki- when she killed the guy that wanted a blowjob. Like, no, he deserved to die. But all the rest, you're like, oh man, that sucks. But I understand where she's coming from, and that's mm-hmm. that's telling because usually, like in a film, any film, like if if a character kills any sort of animal, like oh, scumbag, the hell with them. But in this, you're like, oh no, but she has to because she's. And again, what I love about this is it also plays with the mythos of of creatures of 
vampires and werewolves and like how to me it does it better than the matrix uh sequels did back in the day <laughs> if we remember those Aww. oh this is this is where the vampires come from like get the fuck out of here this i'm like oh okay that actually makes sense because she's been throughout time and people have seen these things glimpses of it and she's traveled around the world through time and like oh okay of course someone sees something they can't explain Mm-hmm. And of course, when she's going through it all, there you know science is catching up with yeah. these mythical explanations. Like, oh no, there is an explanation. And even she says, even if she was supernatural, there is a scientific explanation for everything anyway. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love that too. And, and you know, it's like while it's fantastical, it's based in reality of sorts. And that yeah. also that's very a, a really cool thing to do with a genre film. Yeah, there's a real <clears throat> there's a real intelligence to the script, it, not just in the sense of understanding uh, its characters and having them perform in, in in ways which are organic and natural to them, except maybe the ending, which once again we will get to. <laughs> but um, also just kind of yeah, that idea of we have these mythologies and these stories in real life, so let's look at um, a different let's look at a different approach to these kind of characters um to these kind of myths and what they would look like um in a real like what would be the real emotional repercussions of these kind of things if this sort of stuff did actually exist and i also like that it's um as the best kind of genre and specifically horror films can kind of do can use genre archetypes to explore um people's like life situations or people's emotions. I mean, so, so this idea of like two people that have their, their own shit going on, their own demons. And for one person, it's like actual kind of literal demons um, that are like an embodiment of, of like psychological and emotional trauma that she's dealing with. And it's like, no, it actually, but it actually just comes out in tentacles and fangs and claws and that kind of stuff. And like, and that's really like the best kind of genre does that stuff where it's sort of like, um, let's, uh, let's, manifest these things in a physical sense which are horrifying as horrifying to an outsider as they may be to the person that's actually experiencing them and so that and that's why i think it's so emotionally engaging too is like oh my god i understand what this is standing for and i'm really kind of here for it sort of a thing and and uh james i know we've like because we've discovered or we've covered these two guys before um Mm -hmm. i'd be curious to get both of your thoughts uh especially corinne as, as sort of like the the fan, the outsider, our number one super fan here at Catholic Cthulhu. Um, the idea of like, because I, I know we we both, I believe, James kind of came to the 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 conclusion for Endless and Resolution that like we don't really see them as Lovecraftian films necessarily. And even Benson and Moorhead are are the the kind of guys we interviews like, yeah, we'd never even heard of this guy when we started making these movies. But if if people respond to it, then that's cool. Um, does this one kind of stand out? I mean, Guillermo del Toro, one of the masters of horror himself, is saying it's a Lovecraftian film, and I'm still not entirely sure I agree, but I'm I'm wondering about other people's thoughts on that. Um, I mean, Lovecraftian-esque, <laughs> I guess. Adjacent. You could say. Adj- <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm not like... I'm not entirely sure if it's completely... You know, I mean, it gets she's something ancient, right? But it's not revolving mm-hmm. around everything, just her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've seen um, like a Lovecraftian movie where 
it's been just about one person, like one person dealing with the transformation and dealing with the consequences of it Mm. Um, directly. Obviously, Evan deals with it too, but um, I've never seen anything. I mean, I'll be honest, I have like a kind of a limited um, Lovecraftian um, anthology in my own brain. Sure. But what I've seen so far, eh, it is <laughs> out, of, out of the three, yes, it's more, like you said, adjacent. But um, as being completely, no, didn't even mention any of the old gods. I mean, not directly, at least. Mm. So. No, but I, I mean... I'm I'm in agreement. I mean, I almost I almost look at this film as um, it's kind of like if someone took like the idea of before sunrise and kind of threw a monster in it. <laughs> sure. And, and and I love I love those movies with Ethan Hawke, you know, and uh, Julie Delpy. Like those are like some of the most romantic, beautiful films ever of like this relationship that. And again, it almost feels like it's forever. It's like over 20 years, they made these three films of this continuing where they are in the relationship now and what's, you know, happened in, you know, the first one, it's like, they've only known each other for five days and like, he's already like professing his love for her. But of course she's just like, you know, in her head, of course she's thinking, I've been alive for 2000 years and I've never been in love. So like, how do you, how do you even know? She, yeah. She, you know, according to her, she only knows because her body will tell her basically, mm. you know, um so there's that and like you know lovecraft adjacent yeah you know it's kind of weird like you know it takes place in a this film in particular you know takes place in a seaside town yeah so of course we have that idea like oh creatures <laughs> from the deep you know like mm-hmm. yeah, is, yeah. is it gonna be like you know like again like you know even though i know you're not the biggest fan but like dagon was in this small little spanish seaside town you yeah know? yeah mm-hmm. and you and you're almost thinking is that gonna happen you have this blind Italian woman looking, but no, she's just, just as a blind Italian woman. Like, you know, and of course the, when I first watched this and no, knowing, you know, other films, especially the seaside type of um, Lovecraftian stuff or Lovecraft actual adaptations, when she's talking, you know, Louise is talking about, she's there studying the people in this small Italian town mm-hmm. because she's, trying to see their genetic makeup because these people have not really left this town for hundreds upon hundreds of years like they've all stayed there and like procreated even though it's a touristy town but the people that live there have lived there forever yeah there's a history and and yeah certainly its own mythology and yeah it is interesting because there is there is kind of a a from from a story structure kind of a lovecraftian setup in the sense of this naive protagonist kind of journeys to somewhere which is outside of his upbringing, outside of his comfort yep. zone, a place that has a history and a lore um, and discovers something monstrous, which has been there for, I mean, seemingly eternity. It was cool that this movie was set in Italy in this little like European um, town, which you can tell itself is probably older than the country of America, basically. Oh, um, so it has, it has its own, lore and history kind of like embedded in every single like building and so there's stories that are passed down from generations like oh yeah there's probably something here but then it, it sort of then sort of becomes a story which i don't want to say deconstructs a lovecrafting story but it's almost kind of like a subversion of it where in the sense of like hey imagine if these 
deep ones or this elder god all these things that we've heard these stories about were just kind of a mm. i don't want to say a misunderstood entity but like our perceptions of them were society trying to make sense of something which is outside of their understanding when really it was just in this particular case a woman who was dealing with this monstrous scientific thing but the story that passed down is like oh it's a sea monster or it's a right. witch or it's that kind of thing so it almost kind of like takes lovecraftian tropes and breaks them down i think in a way it's kind of weird and and that's the thing with benson and moorhead like i like i don't think they get enough credit for like yeah like we said before they didn't really know who lovecraft was or like they weren't always like like when they're making these films they're writing this scripts that they you know they enjoy and like want to create these worlds but it's almost like because lovecraft is in the psyche like he's basically almost become his own great old one you know that just <laughs> permeated so much of literature and comics and movies and music that even when you don't realize that like you know like how we watch something and we go oh okay we could see elements of it and then we'll find out the person like i never heard of it like i don't know like <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. you know like you know like mr white like was like oh yeah really okay like they don't they don't know like and it's and that's what's crazier to me because people will say like oh yeah you know I, i'm referencing edgar Allan poe or i'm referencing stephen king or i'm referencing so many other writers but lovecraft is one of those ones that's just he seeps into it like, like again and that's also a very lovecraftian thing where it's there and it's always there it's in your dna it, whether you yeah you realize you it or like it or not, not. Yeah. yeah and it's and it's in her dna you know like and I and I, like you said, I love that idea that she, it's almost like a curse that's put upon her, but she didn't, it, she was born with it. Like there's no explanation for it. And I kind of like that too, where are there others like her? We don't know. She just knows she's the only one and she has to deal with this every 20 years. And you know, you think 2000 years, every 20 years, she has to like impregnate someone and then get some of that DNA, half it and like grow into this monster and then like, be reborn into like a new version of herself but but she always has her own memories and then the memories of the person that she like slept with and like created this new version of herself and then again that's yeah what if like you said what if <laughs> these old gods and stuff is really just her and people like lovecraft saw her in his time and mm. like oh my god i'm gonna write about this like that again he wouldn't write about it because it's a woman so <laughs> there we go already you know right. oh it's a woman and and you're not sure where she's from you know she's not aryan you know like she can't write about her <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like it's just like one of those great things where i i, I kind of like and again they always do this with genre like you know resolution it's like the whole messing with time and like what what wait wait we're repeating this okay how are we gonna fix it and like and then, you know, the endless, again, playing with that even more. I don't want to ruin anything for Corinne, but playing with that even more, like even crazier. And We're going to watch the endless later. Yeah, we'll watch it later. <laughs> Fair well. Yeah, but, but, and again, I, I just love that it's, it's a simple story. And like, you know, the other thing, because I finally opened up the Blu-ray to watch, because another thing, before we talk about the ending, I wanted to see if there was an alternate ending okay. for this film. And on the Blu-ray, there is, like, their, their quote-unquote is one. But again, it's like what they always do 
on their Blu-ray releases, they do a kind of a jokey alternate take, alternate ending of something. I'll, I'll talk about it uh, later. Okay. But, but then I also watch the making up and like their making ups are great because mm -hmm. they do them themselves. So for spring, they, it's like an hour long making of on the mm -hmm. Draft House Films uh, Blu-ray and talking about how they, you know, wrote the script for this and they didn't think it would ever get made because it's in a small Italian town. Mm -hmm. I forgot where they wanted to film in particular in a place where they're like, no, it, it'll never get made there. But then when they found out they could make it in this other place in Italy, on the other side, on the boot of Italy, on the boot heel. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. and how it worked out better because all the stuff that he wrote, there were these scenes, like they, they were all perfect. It was like they even said it was just a match made in heaven for them, like where, oh, we could film it all. And it's perfect. Like how how to help. But like just the whole make and again, you know, they always joke about how they they make films that are kind of hard to make according to like, you know, film, you know, like for producers and stuff. But luckily they've gotten with people like Todd Brown of XYZ Films, mm -hmm. you know, used to be with Twitch back in the day. And um and people that actually like want to do these films too is why they get to make them because like, oh. They're all like-minded, like a family almost. Like, and they love making this movie in Italy, which is cool because, like, I've always heard not horror stories, but like the language barrier, and you know, sometimes some Italian producers and stuff take advantage of American filmmakers. But it seems like they had like the perfect time. It was almost like a vacation, but also <laughs> the stress of making this like high-concept genre film with mostly practical effects too, which I also always yeah. kind of enjoy in any of my any of our genre films we watch like even when a film's bad if, if the if the special effects are good it's like oh at least the special effects are good yeah at least they tried yeah sure no yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but we've been shutting out corinne so i want to i want to get uh yeah corinne's thoughts on some on some things and so nothing specific but just anything that you got dwelling inside you um just going back to how it's how the film was lovecraft adjacent Mm -hmm. um, the changes that she goes through, it wasn't explicitly tentacles and teeth. Um, <laughs> sure. In the beginning, I was like, this bitch is a werewolf. What's going on? <laughs> I, I, I remember when it changed. I was like, I looked at James. I was like, <laughs> are we watching the same movie? Like, what's happening? And then I was like, I was hooked, like, right from then. Um, but yeah, and then she, she kind of looks like a vampire. And then when they're in the church in Rome... Um, this is like towards the towards the end. Um, oh, Naples, I think that Naples, was my right? Naples. Naples. Were they in Naples? Or yeah, Napoli. Yeah, they were. In yeah. Naples. Okay. Um, uh, they even made like a zombie reference in uh, the, mm -hmm. the the churchgoers. Um, mentioned <laughs> she was a zombie doing heroin. Um, so, and but ironically, there was also tentacles and teeth in that in that scene. And that scene, I was that scene had me cracking up. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but the uh, the tentacle behind Evan's head with the teeth keep him going. And <laughs> I'm like, can you just like hit that syringe, please? He's giving me anxiety. That's what he was, was saying. It was funny. He's was like, funny, uh, please, and he doesn't see the tentacle. He's like, right, uh, right. You're, you're, uh, yeah, you need to. Uh, she's take like, it. what? Do you see something? And his, her something? eyes is really big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was supposed to be funny. I think it was supposed to be funny, but also tense. Where it's like, wait, is she gonna kill him? Mm -hmm. right. like in the church because she can't control it but yeah i guess um do we want to get into the ending do we want to build it up a little bit more corinne you're you're the guest i will let you kind of dictate how this how the conversation right. moves um we could build it up a little bit more 
Okay. I'd be, um, I'd be okay with that. Because, yeah, I, I guess what I remember when watching this, my my thoughts were um, as, I, as I've gotten older, um, I really appreciate those the, those stories when it's sort of like we had this thing and it happened and it changed our lives, but it it didn't have to be forever um, because that's an especially romantic notion of movies that is kind of like, uh, you know, and they lived happily ever after kind of a thing um, like, you know controversial take um i love the movie la la land and what i loved about it was that they you know these two people had this connection which changed both their lives but they ended up ultimately ended up going their separate ways and so when when this movie was going i was sort of like i could that's that's what i was taking in and kind of internalizing was like this is such a beautiful experience that like this guy is going to walk away from this and when he's in like his 60s he'll be a different person and he'll remember fondly maybe tragically oh Louise, this character who's probably at this moment transforming into some type of hybrid tentacled beast, being impregnated, eating somebody, living her tragic life. But I, <laughs> I am now me, and here's my family, and here's my life. This kind of stuff, and like, and like, there's the introduction of the tragedy in a way. I don't know if this if this is kind of cruel, but like, almost kind of made the story a little bit more beautiful and poignant to me. I don't know if that makes me a weirdo or if anyone agrees or disagrees with me on that. No, I mean, you kind of want, you want a happy ending for Evan. Mm -hmm. You want that. But at the same time, not Lovecraft adjacent. Yeah, it it, it is because, I mean, yeah, when, when, when do these stories kind of really, when do Lovecraftian stories focus on one, intimate relationships and two, um, there's, there is, largely absent from this is that idea of fate. I mean, I guess you can kind of say with Louise, there is this idea of like, no fate is dictating, like is dictated for her. She has no control over her life. This is something she is living with. Mm -hmm. Um, But there, there's, I don't know. um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know where James stands on this, but also there, there's a, there's a, 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 an insufficient lack of bleakness or hopelessness, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. When we watched it, you know, I'm I'm a romantic at heart. I am, no matter mm-hmm. what. Even though I like the bleakness, I like the dark endings, the fucked up, you know, everyone dies endings. But I also like a good happy ending sometimes. And it, But again, it has to be earned. Yeah. It can't just be like, oh, these two characters survived this hellish night. But did they earn it? Like, did, you know, did you like them enough? And like this film, when we get into the ending, I'm of I'm two minds, but I'm, I'll, I'll save that for later. But yes, the bleakness in this is not as as bleak as you think, even though her her life is bleak. It is. Mm. Even though she gets to live forever, which is great in some ways, right? When you think about it, like she gets to live wherever she wants. She gets to live this like bohemian lifestyle of sorts when you think about it. But she's also suffering from this, basically like the disease that she will never get rid of, supposedly. And she's trying to figure out via genetics and like science how to like stave it off enough and then maybe to the point of maybe getting rid of it one day. But right now, like you said, fate does not, she believes in that. There's like, no, I'm just destined to always have to do this. This is like my life is it's forever. It's infinite and it sucks. But I mean, hell I survived, you know, it's like I survived Vesuvius, you know, (laughs) killing everyone in Pompeii, which is such a great scene where like her, like, Oh, there's my parents and my brother. (laughs) And they're just forever in this, like, you know, just in ash, you know, like, cocoon, like yeah. mummified. Yeah, cocoon. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just funny like she could go back there and like when he asks how did you survive and she does she doesn't know and basically you as the viewer have to think to yourself wait so she did get smothered by this lava and have to see her family die in front of her and then somehow break free from this cocoon mm-hmm. and realize oh i survived that it's kind of like in a weird way like i was the whole time i was thinking like she's in a weird way like highlander you know like the highlander the first <laughs> film you know and, and the tv series but like it's it's just it's destined to be it's like you are a, an immortal mm-hmm. there's nothing you didn't you didn't choose it it chose you and it just like, is okay, it just yeah. is it's yeah. forever and like and the only way they can die is like you have to behead them that's the only way like they can survive getting blown apart whatever getting like their arm chopped off technically they'll they'll, they'll live forever mm-hmm. but it sucks but and again it's there's that tragedy you think to yourself oh well come on he he can know everything you know do everything what he wants once but it's like but there again lies in the whole thing with the romantic side how could she ever love anyone and same thing with like you know Connor McLeod, Duncan McLeod, or whatever McLeod you want to talk about. <laughs> when they find love, it's not infinite. Like, they're going to yeah. die. They're going to grow old and die. And, like, that's the other reason, like, I think deep down she doesn't want to even, like, admit that she's in love because if she does, will she survive this? Like, or will she not transform anyone? She doesn't know 100%. And then what if she just, like, eats that guy or just. <laughs> He disappears and like she just lives forever and like can't see him again. She she'd rather break off that romantic part and like just enjoy the moment and then then be done with it and like go on with her life because she'll be like this great memory for them. But like she'll always remember everything that and they had, you know. Which leads me into a question for the both of you: um, Would you find immortality to be cool or? horrible because i personally would find it to be kind of horrible like i think of um these days um some cutting edge scientists are like you know at some point we'll reach the singularity or we'll get to a point where we can upload our consciousness to live forever i'm like that sounds absolutely horrible i don't want that to be a thing um am i alone in that or absolutely uh, not okay good i don't want to i don't want to live for more immortality no well, as Queen would ask, who wants to live forever? Oh, Freddie. I guess not many people, actually. But but it's a weird thing, because you think to yourself, oh, you know, the, the idea is that if I live forever, I could, but it's like, yeah, but what if you're, like, you're a loser and you live forever, you know, or what, what if you're, what if you're just, you just have, like, literal bad luck and, like, it, like just life sucks. How are you necessarily going to get past that unless, like, you have to, like, outlive everyone around you and then, mm-hmm. like, start over? Yeah, that's awful. Like, I, like you mean I gotta keep making relationships over and over again, and like trying to figure out life every whatever twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years? That sucks. And you I gotta don't keep, do that. You got, and maybe it would be interesting for some people because then you, you would by ness by necessity have to be a world traveler because you can't hang around for too long because then people are gonna be like, wait, you were my neighbor for like thirty years and you still look the same way as when I moved in. Mm-hmm. So like. What's right, going on right. here? So you'd have to kind of get out to different places where people don't know you. And I mean, at some point, if I'm extrapolating this out for like thousands of years, eventually I was like, yeah, but I've I've lived here. I've been here. Like none of this stuff is new or exciting or anything. I don't know. I, I don't. This is this is a rabbit hole. I don't want to fall too down. 
uh, too deeply down because this is this is upsetting to me. Um, that's all. Yeah, that's all other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Louisa did say though that it it gets exhausting. She has yeah. to get a new like number. She has to move. She has all these houses, this and that. And I mean, she says it's exhausting. And I mean. I'm only 34 and I'm exhausted. So the thought of like being immortal, <laughs> um, no, thank you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, on the making of, there's a funny little part later on in like the making of of this film where they're asking everyone behind the scenes would they choose love or immortality, and most people actually do choose immortality, which I kind of like because it's a show and like, eh, fuck love, <laughs> which is funny because of what we're about to talk about, but. Mm. You know, even like most of the people are just like, no, you know, actually, funny enough, I think, the yeah, because even Evan Lute Pucci is like, he's like, oh, love, like, fuck that immortality <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> but like, but again, it's just funny to just think that like, oh, yeah, most people think they would pick that every time. Mm -hmm. oh, immortality. Yeah, right. That That's cool. But like, is it really? Is it really that cool? I mean, in the beginning, it would be because you get yeah. to do, redo things or do things differently. But after a while, 2,000 years, no. Mm -hmm. And you're living through some of the worst times ever. And like, they even have that conversation of where he's like, is it worse now than it was in the Dark Ages? Like, come on. And she's like, well, Dark, dark Ages is pretty bad. But this isn't that good, too. And now I joke <laughs> with you. Uh, they joke, well, this is before Trump. So it's even, <laughs> it's all, it's a, Sorry, Louise, you, you you chose you chose poorly there, but whatever. I mean, I mean that's because that's the thing. Oh my God, I I know I said I wouldn't fall down this rabbit hole, but that's I know. But like, let's say you are immortal, living in a world where like yes, we've gone past the point of no return with climate change, where it's eventually going to slowly destroy the planet. Like you're living through that whole thing the whole time. Yeah. At, if, at, uh, anyway, um, no. but um. Uh, yeah, I mean, why, why don't we just dive into it? Uh, the the uh, the prophesied ending um, as a um, a refresher for people if it's been a while. So Louise basically tells um, um, our Evan that um, you know if, if she falls in love with someone, her body will produce um, oxytocin, which is a hormone that will keep her cells uh, from or will keep embryo cells from consumption, meaning that she will lose her immortality. Um, Evan says, are you in love with me? She says that she is not. Um, he, you know, kind of, uh, they, they, he takes her to the ruins of Pompeii where her family was, um, kind of begs her to like reconsider. And she says she doesn't choose. It's, it's her body, which ultimately decides, um, whether she is going to, uh, change or not. And if she does not change, then she'll go through her monstrous form, consume Evan, and then it'll be the end of him. And she will continue on her, not so merry way. So she lays her head down on Evan's lap. Um, the sun uh, rises, I guess, while there's there's kind of a, a, a volcano eruption going on in the background. And sure enough, it reveals she has not changed. She has, or her body has chosen Evan. She has fallen in love. She has lost her, her immortality. And now the two of them can be together until their dying days. Corinne... What did you dislike about this ending? Because I certainly disliked it as well, but I want to get your thoughts first and foremost. So the fact that it gave me blue balls really upset me because <laughs> you're focused on Evan and then you're hearing all these changing noises, as I'd like to call them. And then you don't, she doesn't change. 
And I got, I was getting excited. I was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. What's going to happen? How's this going to go down? Is she going to eat him? What's going to, and I want to see her. I want to see what she's going to look like. And you don't get that. And it was just mm-hmm. so, oh, I was so upset. Like I wanted, you know, and again, I loved Evan. Like I didn't think he was a dick at all. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great. Like I understood. I mean, from the beginning to he lost his mom and then that bar fight, it wasn't his fault. He was trying to protect his friend. And then now he's got these guys looking for him and he's like, shit, like I got to get out of here. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted that. I wanted to see her. I wanted a, I wanted her to change. I didn't want that happy ending for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's actually also kind of an element of, um, viscera or reveal that you also wanted to see that the movie kind of denied you yeah yeah i heard it and i was getting excited and then just her still this like pretty girl and it's not what i wanted to see i didn't yeah. want to see a pretty girl and i guess i could see them as like that that's sort of their sleight of hand or like they're like a small attempt to build tension where it's like okay you know what's going to happen and then it's like no actually you don't this is this is something different that's going to happen um so that is interesting. James, how about you? Because I know you don't like happy endings. No, I mean, I, okay. So like I said, I'm on, on the fence with, between the two. Like, I, I appreciate that finally, you know, Evan gets to like have this great, you know, relationship because now she's actually, you know, I guess love found a way, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, then again, like I was like, like I wanted to see this creature, like him just look down and the creature just like chop, you know, bite his head off. And that would be funny to me. Like, okay, <laughs> what did love get you? Got you fucking beheading, you know? But then again, what I also appreciate about the ending, like that actually, the more I think about it, the more isn't necessarily the happiest of endings. The volcano is actually erupting in the background. Yeah, so are they going to die anyway? <laughs> I, I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, they're just going to get smothered up by the lava, and now she's going <laughs> to die with his, with his unborn child. That's going to be this weird because in my head, maybe the child's going to be a monster now because it's genetics. Oh, the child might live forever. Mm-hmm. Of course, we never see it. It just kind of ends. And like, I agree with Corinne to the sense, like, yeah, you want to see the visceral, like, oh my god, like, well, that's. It didn't matter, like what he again. That would have been the more Lovecraftian ending, where it's just it didn't matter. Love didn't matter. Nothing mattered because you were gonna die anyway. You were gonna eat, and she gave it a chance to leave. You didn't choose that because you just wanted to have this last moment with her, mm-hmm. and then like you die anyway. But I kind of appreciate it. But then going into the uh, comical um, ending of the film that they uh, filmed on an iPhone after the. Uh, I think it was after the Cannes um, premiere, mm-hmm. supposedly. But I don't know, because even Corinne said, like, he still had the bandages on his hand in the shot. Like, that he was... So he gets on the phone. It, it was still in Italy, and he calls Tommy, you know, his friend, Jeremy Gardner, actually, who loved that guy. <laughs> he, he calls him and saying, oh, man, like, talking about the girl. It was nine months later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she got pregnant. Oh, it was a monster, you know, but whatever. But you know, she chose love. Basically, it's making fun of the whole ending where it's like, yeah, he, she chose love. But, but I realized, like, a few days later, I just couldn't stand her. Like, she's a bitch. But, like, it just, I just left. And, like, just kind of like. So it's kind of comical in the sense that, like, oh, 
they just broke up afterward. Like he just didn't continue the relationship. But it's not he a real also, ending. It's he also says ending. that like her body keeps going through all these changes. So I was thinking that she's still going through changes, even though she's. But then again, I think it's them just. I think it's Benson and Mora just making just being fun silly. Of, just being silly, making fun of the fact like we know people aren't going to like this ending. We know right. people. We know. I think it's almost like they know people want the dark ending. Right. But they decided to do a happier ending than some other filmmakers would do. And like, I, I, I wanted to see like a dark ending. Like I, I had hoped that they actually made a true, that's why I was kind of looking for it. But it looks like they didn't really, uh, according, you know, like, you know, when there's deleted scenes and stuff, really the deleted scenes in there are just extended scenes. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really like extensive with it. So, you know, it's almost like, no, we made this ending. That's our ending. We never considered another ending. We wanted this to be this romantic ending, this love that'll not last forever, actually, because it's no, no, yeah. until she dies, you know, mm -hmm. for all, for, you know, like you could have done a nine months later ending and like she dies and she dies in childbirth. That would have been a dark ending. Like, oh, man, mm -hmm. it didn't matter. Holy shit. You know, it could have been this creature coming out with tentacles and like that would have been like the, the stereotypical Lovecraftian ending that we kind of joke about. Oh, it's got tentacles. There we go. Right. You know. And so uh, I, I hope it is a matter of them kind of being self-aware because yeah, there, there does seem to be kind of an element of some broiness in their movies, which is like a little bit. We, uh, we were talking about that with other ones where like sometimes it's, it's like not over the top broiness, but there is that element. Yeah, like like not enough words. It's it's it sabotages or hijacks no. anything, but still just a moment like, okay, so you actually you actually wrote these jokes and thought they would be funny. Um, yeah, or but, unless unless it was Lou Taylor Pucci just making it up as he like on the phone, you know, you know, they're just filming it. Who knows? But again, remember the the bro in the film gets his penis bitten off, so ultimately. Are they that broy where they the, the the American bro gets gets you know ripped apart you know like yeah yeah so like yeah so is it that right? because because yeah to to think that you that they've made this whole movie where we we dig into we delve into the depths of this woman and and her you know her story and that kind of thing ultimately just like yeah she was a bitch and I couldn't really uh, like stand what was going on with her body it's like oh okay you guys are shitheads. Um, so yeah, right. may, maybe it is, so hopefully it's more of them kind of making fun of that kind of thing versus, um, yeah, sort of like I, I imagine, yeah, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt, say they're probably where people are going to be upset, so they make this quote-unquote alternate ending, which you just watch, like, fine, guys, is this what you wanted? Is this what you really wanted to see from this movie? Um, now having said that, my problems with the ending and I, I realize like i've been thinking about this as we've been talking and i i kind of realize i'm i'm my idea is sort of like a catch-22 because what i wanted to see was her not change because i think after two thousand years of doing this whole thing like you've been this way for such a long time you've been a woman who has been doing this thing and and yeah i guess she is kind of cursed to a certain degree but like the idea of like, really, just the idea of like, oh, you know, this this strong-willed, independent woman who's been doing this whole thing for two thousand years, changing herself for just a random dude is sort of like, 
eh, is that really right. what he deserves? Is that really what is best for you to change yourself? For? But, I, you know, there, there's a little bit of a, of a loophole in there in the sense of, like, I don't make the decision, it's my body makes it, which is sort of, like, maybe a cop-out, but... um. But I also, but but uh, let me just get this out. But then I, I also yeah. sort of realize if she would have not have changed, you would have kind of, it, it is like I said, it's kind of a catch-22. Because if she doesn't change, then you also risk the audience being like, we've been through that whole thing just for him to ultimately die at the end anyway, for her to, you know, to, to, to get a real peek into this, what is actually a very meaningful, intimate relationship, just for it to amount to nothing, could make it feel like, this is nihilistic or it's self-defeating, mm -hmm. which in a way kind of a bit more Lovecraftian in the sense of like, you know, this came, right. this was happening before you, this will happen after you after. is more kind of like that. So I realize, you know, I, I don't think they, they're going to please everyone, um, but I would have preferred to kind of see that, that journey as a describer. It's like, you know, this thing was important and it did change us and it was wonderful, but we can't change the cosmic fates no matter what we do kind of a thing that doesn't mean that this relationship is invaluable or doesn't mean anything it just means it was important for this moment but it it in the grand scheme of things it's not changing anything and that and that's the ending that i would which you could say that's bleak and i would understand that um but i guess there's this part of me which as i get older sort of like yeah we're all living this infinite abyss um in the grand scheme of things humanity doesn't really mean anything but that doesn't take away from humanity or that doesn't take away from our relationships or the things we do on a day in day out basis. It just means a thousand years from now, no one's going to, or 10,000 years from now, no one's going to remember us, but this stuff that we have is still special, but we can't change anything. Um, maybe that makes me cynical. Who knows? But that was my thought. Yeah. I mean, the, all the joke I, I have, and I think even someone in the make, I, don't, I forgot who in the make have said this, but like, Oh, so she's gonna choose this like loser without a job that's on the run from two sets of cops, like like in America <laughs> and in Italy, mm -hmm. to like live her life with this guy. Like it's kind of funny, like especially like really like did you think this through? But again, maybe she just finally said, "Eh, I'm tired of living forever. This is the best I could do right now." You know, he he took care of me when I was sick and didn't run didn't actually run away from me when he saw me at my worst. Yeah, and and maybe yeah. that's I mean the thing is like we you know one of the the big rules of screenwriting is you kind of have to say like if you're telling a story about an infinite loop or or you're setting your story or characters in a story which has been going on for a long time, you have to ask yourself why is this one unique? Why are we telling this iteration of the story? And so my initial reaction is like yeah evan is not that he's a nobody but like what's special about him like he's just kind of a regular guy basically he's yeah he doesn't have a job he's not particularly good at at anything but he does care about her so uh, in a way that's sort of unfair to say that because then like well what does he have to be does he have to be a fucking superhero does he have to be a millionaire because <laughs> if right. he if he is so admirable as a character then you lose relation or that idea to like oh i see myself in this person so it's like yeah Maybe just is that simple fact of like, like you said, he saw her at her worst and he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And mm -hmm. maybe that's, you know. Isn't that, isn't that what love is? Like you see someone at their worst or like, like the lowest and like you go, you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm I'm here for you. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's actually more romantic than you could even imagine. Like, oh, yeah. I saw you like with your tentacles and like you, you almost killed me twice while I was trying to inject you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and maybe he's really into hentai. Who knows? So I mean, I don't not to play devil's advocate with myself, but he <laughs> um he didn't choose not to have a job. He didn't choose to be a loser. Yeah, especially in the beginning, he left college, he says, to go take care of a sick mom. Yeah. True. So and he and we even when he died, um, she died rather, um, he felt angry at well at himself he felt guilty but he also felt like he got cheated out of doing what he had to do but yeah yeah so i mean yeah maybe maybe i'm being a little bit unfair to evan um because i I, by no means i want to say like oh and this ending ruined the whole movie for me absolutely not no 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 i mean even though i like i just probably i just chat all over it um it didn't ruin the movie for me i really i really liked it the, the journey was worth it. Um, but yeah, uh, Benson and Moorhead, very interesting filmmakers. Certainly anytime a movie comes out about them, it's like, okay, let's see what these guys are up to because I think they're intelligent. They're good filmmakers. A little bit bro perhaps. Um, and relevant to kind of a discussion we had recently, they, they're kind of peeking into the mainstream now. They, they directed a few episodes of Moon Knight, um, which was not a very good show, but they did the best they could with what they had. So, um, bully to them. Um, yeah, so we, uh, are of course the, the cast of Cthulhu. Um, you can find us on Twitter at cast Cthulhu on Facebook at Cthulhu cast. You can catch up on back episodes pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts, um, including on our website, um, cast Cthulhu.podbean.com. I am Nolan fixes teeth on Twitter. James is Wonka kills kids, and James has so far not done anything to warrant a further Twitter ban, even no. if he is, even if he does not understand what initially got him banned from Twitter. You know, it's finally gone. Like the whole like, it, there's no more review. It's just like, oh, it's dead. Okay, that old Twitter account's dead. So yeah, that'll never come back. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doing the Lord's work, Twitter banning someone like James when uh races are out there tweeting their racist yeah. shit all over the place without consequences. So what does it matter, right? Fuck them. Um, I mean, I really need to get off that website. But uh, there we are. Anyway, um, <laughs> in our, in our, our, our uh, typical Casa Cthulhu fashion, we have not planned ahead. So I have no idea what's what's coming. Oh, James has an idea. Okay. Well, well, I, I, I don't want to say it because if, if I can't find a streaming option, then it, why would it? But it is, there's an actual Lovecraft adaptation that I want to cover. Okay. It's a, well, all I'll say is it's an anthology, which gives the hint away. Oh, you okay. Know which one. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, okay. All right. I do. I, only because I've recently gotten the German Blu ray of this film. <laughs> which, why, why is it only in German? Like, like the German Blu ray only? But um, if I can't find a streaming option for you, then we can't do it. But um, there's a few, there's a few films I saw pop up on Shutter. One, I think it was called Off Season. Mm. And the first thing in one of someone's review was that it's very Lovecraftian in a seaside town. But I think we've done a lot, plenty of those seaside towns. A lot, lot, of, lot of stuff in seaside towns, sure. Um, but I, I know, I mean, listen, we there's there's plenty of ideas out there. We, yeah. you know, in the past, we've talked to the Innsmouth Book Club guys who want to come on yeah. here. Um, oh, true, yeah, yeah, it's true. Friend of the show, Jerry Smith, is, is, uh, is eager to join to talk about Castle Freak, which is one of the last, oh. like, true... Lovecraft adaptations we haven't gotten to yet. What about a double feature too? We have the new one too that was supposed to start the other. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
Okay, so we, the, could do, we could do one in one. The Barbara the, the Barbara Crampton uh, um, yeah. produce one. Yeah, there's an one. Idea. Yeah, that's an idea there. That might work actually because it is an adaptation and there's two versions of the film. <laughs> and we, you know, might have to bring back the disenfranchised guys because I think that one was the one that was supposed to kind of kick off the shared Lovecraft universe that Barbara Crampton was producing, right? Yeah, maybe we should shoot that out there. Maybe okay. uh, Jerry for the original and disenfranchised for the the remake that was supposed to start the new franchise. All right. Well, what was that book that says, like, if you put it out into the universe, it'll manifest itself or whatever? The secret? The vision board. Oh, okay. Yeah. Arcastic, Arcastic Cthulhu vision board. Um, and or... I only know that because of 90 Day Fiance. So don't, <laughs> don't think that's something I actually <laughs> that's the that's, that's the answer to the eternal question. Yep. 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day Fiance. It's not, it's not, it's not 42. It's when, ninety day fiance. When when this <laughs> world um is uh in in <laughs> dust and ashes, ninety day fiance will will reign. But yeah, yeah, so so put it on maybe our, our cast of Cthulhu um nightmare board would be a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> but there we go. Like um that. But yeah, of course, uh, that has been it for the show. Thank you for listening, everyone. And of course, as always, you can email us at moviesofmadness at gmail.com. Um, we are open to any questions, comments, or complaints. Uh, if you want to say, hey, you guys are terrible, stop podcasting, let us know. We'll read the email on the air uh, gleefully for you. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Corinne, thank you for joining us again. Um, Thanks for having me. For being Cast of Cthulhu's um, number one fan. Um, be sure, <laughs> listeners, to tune in next time where we will be covering something. Um, <laughs> But in the yes. meantime, <laughs> we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. <laughs>